0: And a right pitch, a deep
1: center. Can you Here's your hosts, Zach Dillard and Corey McCartney.
0: The Atlanta Braves 2019 season ended with 97 regular season wins and another NLDS loss. Welcome into another edition of the ChopCast. Sitting here with Corey McCartney, I am Zach Dillard, and Corey, a disappointing into the season yet again for this franchise. Despite the many highs in the 2019 season, plenty to still look forward to as we move along to off-season storylines and what is next for this team in 2020 and beyond. We wanted to kind of go position by position here, and no better place to start than the catcher position where Braves legend Brian McCann has now retired. Yeah, I mean... No more McCann. And you're looking
1: towards Tyler Flowers and does he come back? A $6 million option for 2020. It it almost seems certain, you know, with the lack of an answer behind him, you know, not knowing where this franchise sees Alex Jackson, how far away, you know, William Contreras is. uh, It definitely feels like Tyler Flowers will be back. It's just a matter of Who's paired with him? Is it you know Francisco Cervelli? Did you see enough of him to keep him around? Do you go out into the open market and try to find that secondary piece? But it feels to me, because of the amount of money there and the comfort with the staff, that Tyler Flowers will be back in 2020.
0: Braves catchers, not great offensively in 2019, but overall this was the third straight year. They've been top 10 in war at the catcher position. We know the kind of surprising duo that they had with Tyler Flowers and Kurt Suzuki that continue with Brian McCann and Tyler Flowers. How big a, is this the biggest question mark given the lack of overall catching depth out on the market, given the fact that they are still waiting on so many of their young prospects, whether it be Alex Jackson to really make that leap, William Contreras uh, top pick in 2019, Shay Langoliers doesn't feel like they have that guy that's just ready to step in waiting in the wings. Is this their biggest question this offseason for you, or is it just a, one of the many?
1: I would say no. I still have a bigger question, Mark. I, I mean, I put it, if you're ranking them in terms of position stuff, I put it third. I put it third behind third base. I put it third behind what happens in a corner outfield spot. To me, you can, we've reached that point unless you have Yadier Molina or you have Buster Posey or you have, you know, you know Ismonte Grandal, a guy that you feel like, okay, this is this is more of our primary catcher and we have a supplemental piece that'll they'll keep him from going, you know, over 150 games in the year. The Braves have not played that game. They've not so I I just don't see that being from the end of okay, there has to be the absolute answer at this position right now. Now, could Contreras be that guy? Could he be his brother? Absolutely. But it it doesn't feel right now where the Braves are at that it's it, there's that much weighing for me in the catcher
0: spot. Grandall would be a hell of an addition for them if they were able to chase that. I thought that last year uh, that Grandall would be. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, he obviously miscalculated the market, you know, and ended up having to settle and get below, I think, what a lot of people believe he's capable of making. But, yeah, I mean. You, he's got one more year on that deal from the Brewers. And if you could somehow swing that, I mean, that would be the kind of guy you could roll with for 150 plus.
0: Yeah, moving on to first base. Um, clearly the Braves have one of the top players in all the baseball of Freddie Freeman. I will mention at least that Freddie Freeman only has two more years left on his contract. He's making $22 million this year, or in 2020 and $22 million in 2021. And then he does become an unrestricted free agent as that contract fades away. Um, 38 home runs, uh, thirty-eight percent above league average this year for uh WAR. I thought the defense fell off a little bit this year. Um, bad playoff run, but five games does not define a player, especially one that I think pretty clearly down the stretch of the regular season in the playoffs. Freddie Freeman was not one hundred percent. Not to you know make any excuses for the Cardinals' loss, but that isn't the Freddie Freeman we're used to seeing. Not only in that five games, but really over the last two or three weeks of uh, of baseball for for Atlanta. I, I think very clearly this guy is going to be your middle of the lineup anchor yet again uh, for Atlanta.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say he finishes with a four fan graph war season. Uh, it was 5.3 last year. He hasn't had below four. Uh, he hasn't had below four-four since 2015. And obviously the end of the year costs Freddie Freeman. But I feel like those numbers aren't really indicative of how great he was for stretches yeah. of 2019. He just didn't do it for the duration of 2019, which is kind of the problem. You know, I think uh, you know, Mark Bowman and I talked about this the, the day that they were knocked out of the uh, NLDS. Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snicker are going to have to answer to the point of, of rest because we heard so much about these guys getting rest and it being something that was going to be, you know, a, a big point of emphasis for them. And we just watched Freddie Freeman play 158 games, yep. and you watched it can't happen. Can happen. And he's to the point of his career now where you have to start to think about about the window you're in and maximizing Freddie Freeman in that window. I mean, are, I you could I mean you could look at the numbers and say, okay, have we already seen the height of him? And that might be the case. I don't. I think you could very well make the argument right now that he's not the best player on this team. And that's okay. It's okay that Freddie Freeman is not the best player on this team. It's okay that Ronald Acuna Jr. has passed him by. But y- you also have to find a way to maximize what Freddie Freeman is right now. And you have to find a way to keep him healthy when it matters. And I know he doesn't want, didn't want to admit that he was unhealthy, that he wasn't 100% when it came to time to play in the postseason. But he needs to be 100% <laughs> when it comes time to play in the postseason. Right. And getting him there is the most important thing. Yeah,
0: 158 games only because they had to not play him due to injury at the end of the season. There is a very good chance we would have seen 160, 161. Yeah, and for what? I mean, the the division was over. division was wrapped up. There was really no no need for it uh, down the stretch, and I don't know why he played as much as he did in New York in the final series of the season. That is uh, not our call, and uh, I I think they definitely— uh, need to do a little bit of soul searching there. And speaking of which, as you move to second base, just a fantastic season from Ozzie Albies, but also needs to be mentioned that he played some of the most innings in all of baseball. 160 innings or 160 games for him, uh, 700 plate appearances, but really just came on strong uh, as he moved up into that second spot in the order. 17% above league average hitting, 24 home runs, 15 stolen bases, 4.6 war. Um, Ozzie Albies, and we'll get to Acuna here in a moment, but they really establish themselves as one of the top young duos in all of baseball and i think the Braves can can really as they move forward with this with this roster they certainly have pieces they need to supplement but i think those two it's insane to me those two will make 2 million dollars combined next season you need to supplement the roster around them while they are at one of the most affordable team-friendly deals in all of baseball. And that's what makes what happens at third base
1: and what happens in that corner outfield spot that was manned by Mark- Nick Markekis this past year. So I don't want to say important. I, I think it's, it really is. That's the only way to put it. I mean, it's it, it becomes so much more a, a, of a point of, of capitalizing. And, you know, Ozzie didn't have the, the greatest of postseasons, Although it was better than last year, I mean, remember he hit 200 last year and had a 400 OPS, 704. Uh, you know this this past postseason, but you obviously know the durability that you have with him. He can go out and play all those get those games for you. Again, he's to a point in the age range where you're not going to worry about it all that much.
0: I would still say scale back though. Uh, yeah, Maybe a little 155, bit. 155 one. You know, something they just another. got
1: in a weird spot. I mean, if you know, we had talked about this many times. If they had not gone out and a Denny, gotten a Denny Ichvarea, they would have. You would have had Pedro Florimon would have been on the postseason roster, <laughs> and that's the reality. I mean, yeah. and he hadn't done anything of note since he hit that grand slam in the the exhibition game at SunTrust. I mean, that's that would have been the reality. And, and luckily, they had guys like Ozzy there that was durable and there every day. From that perspective, you got Dansby Swanson back, but um, Ozzy continues to have a contract that will baffle. And they need
0: to they need to take full advantage of it being what it is. I agree. Uh, moving around the diamond, uh, Dansby Swanson. You just mentioned him. Really weird season for him. The extreme highs uh, early on. Moved up in the number two spot. I thought he did really well there. Uh, still finishes the season one point five WAR. Uh, hit eight percent below league average, but certainly that was dragged down uh, after the after the injury, in the second half as he came back, but. Really strong into the season at the very end when he kind of moved up to the top of the lineup to maximize his plate appearances, and Dansby Swanson along with Ronald Acuna Jr. were the two regulars in the playoffs that showed up and hit for Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's problems were in the middle of their order, not necessarily Ozzy, who I think I agree with you had a nice uh, postseason for what it was, but Dansby at the eight hole and Ronald Acuna at the one at the one spot. They were the ones that carried this lineup uh, for what it's worth in the postseason. But it's still a weird, it's a weird season for Dansby. 29th and war among all shortstops, missed some time with injury. How How do you wrap your head around what we saw from Dansby and what expectations should be in 2020? I
1: don't even know that we really know going into 2020 what Dansby Swanson is as a player and i and it seems weird to say that he had an, an almost 800 ops before before he went down with the heel injury. Yep. 552 in the regular season after he came back. I don't want to say like you you hate to have the sense of a guy being injury prone or somebody who's not going to, you know, want to be out there when he's not 100%, but you, you think about the highs that he's shown and i I'm going to say equate it to Nomar Garcia-Para, but it, it's still it's it's kind of one of those situations where I don't think we have the full scope of the player yet. And we need to see a full season unencumbered from Dansby Swanson. But are we going to get it? Right. And that's kind of where we've seen some greatness from him. We've seen a guy that, you know, wow, this, there are points in 2019 where you thought, we might see 30 home runs and a gold glove from this guy at shortstop. And then he comes back and, hit and has no home runs in his last 27 regular season games in the 552 OPS. I mean that's those are two very different conversations Absolutely. and it just it's very weird to say that going into the season we're going into with him that we still don't know who the former number 1 pick is as a player.
0: And it's 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 strange because we could be talking about an eight-hole hitter, maybe the best eight-hole hitter in baseball, or we could talk about a guy that can hit at the top, you could feel comfortable with at the top of the order of the two spot. I do think that Acuña and Alvis have kind of locked that in heading into 2020 uh barring any injury or really poor spring performance, I I don't feel like they'll really mess with that. But I mean, what we saw from Dansby in the playoffs at least like it opens it back up that this is a big time performer, is a clutch performer, whatever it may be. Like when he's healthy, when he's locked in, when he has uh, uh, when he's able to be on the field for them, he is a plus player. Yeah. But we're entering what year four.
1: Yeah, well, uh, actually, technically, we're five. in year five because he played the thirty-eight games. Yeah, he in 2016, played thirty-eight games. But twenty-six, if you can get a full season, and if you can move him out of the bottom of that lineup, and let's say you can bat Dansby Swanson sixth, yeah, then you don't need the catching spot. It, it allows you a little bit more leeway to not have the, those these sky high expectations that okay, well, we need a guy that can put up peak Brian McCann numbers at the catching spot for us. If you can get Dansby Swanson to have a full season of health, and that's Year five, we're still, it's crazy to me at year five that we still don't know what a full season of him looks like. Every episode of ChopCast and ChopCast Live is exclusively outfitted by Baseballism. Stop by Baseballism Atlanta on Battery Avenue and mention Fox Sports South at any point during the 2019 season to receive a 10% discount. For both ChopCast and Baseballism, it's a baseball thing. And now, back to the show.
0: Yeah, I think we're looking at a question mark with the catching spot and what even happens there. I think we're looking at three regulars with... The three that we've talked about with Freddie, Ozzy, and Dansby so far. Um, not to say they can't find an upgrade and, you know, start moving on to some pieces, but as we move to third base, I think we're back at the question mark position because Josh Donaldson, we're kind of in a we're in a golden age of third baseman right now. And Josh Donaldson was right in that mix. Last year, 10 players in fangrafts were above four wins above replacement at the third base spot. Josh Donaldson was eighth among that amongst that group. 37 home runs, 379 OBP, 32% above league average. But of course, it was just a one-year deal, so he is heading out to the free agent market. I think we're all on the same page that he's probably going to get a qualifying offer just to at least at least protect the Braves from if they do have to uh, if they are unable to sign him if he goes somewhere else to get a draft pack draft pick in terms of compensation. But is is Josh Donaldson going to be back or are they going to make another big move at third base, in your opinion? Because the end-of-season comments from Alex Anthopoulos about Austin Riley clearly stated that while they like his long-term future, they by no means are handing him a position heading into 2020.
1: Yeah, I mean I thought those those comments from Alex were were interesting just from the end that, you know, that's that's been the expectation, right? That you were just going to have it was just going to move on from you know, from whatever we saw from him this position uh, this year that you know you were gonna go into this era of Austin Riley, but you know Austin t- fell off dramatically after his great start, and Donaldson you know was every bit the player that that people were hoping he was going to be uh you know in coming here and looking like a guy who reestablished his value and how high is that value now, and is it more? Than the game, than the Braves are willing to to meet. I I I do wonder how much the relationship with Alex and Greg Poulos being here and all the stuff that Donaldson talked about on and on when he came here, how much that weighs into his decision. I mean, there we're probably talking about a Gold Glove finalist here, a one yeah. seven defensive WAR uh, per Baseball Reference. The only third baseman who was better was Matt Chapman. This is he was .6 better than Nolan Arenado, who's the gold standard for third base in the National League. It's. I mean, it's not without question to think that Josh Donaldson wins a Gold Glove at third base in the NL this year for the first time in his career, and that's what with the thirty-seven home runs, the in a you know a nine hundred OPS. That that's what he goes into free agency with. I mean, what he got twenty-four? Was it twenty-four? Twenty? What's it? Twenty? Twenty-three. Twenty-three. If you gave him three years at that same rate, I bet he comes back to Atlanta. But. You're talking about into age 36 season. He's going to turn 34 this year, so you would have going into him being 37 in a Braves uniform playing at third base. If you can, if you have the foresight to think that the DH is coming to the National League, then sign him to a three-year deal. <laughs> but I don't know that you want a 37-year-old playing every day for you at third base in the National League.
0: It's definitely a risk, and he just put together a great season. He He wanted to prove to himself and to everyone else that he is still that guy, and guess what? He was still that yep. guy. How long of a term deal is he going to get on the market? In my opinion, he's the second best third baseman that's going to be on the market, along with Anthony Rendon, who is one of the five or ten best players in baseball. So what does that market look like? Um, I will throw out there, the Braves have, they have money. They have plenty of room to spare after a lot of one-year deals come off the books. Um, they can walk away from some options if they need to. Um, they have the resources to go after those types of players. I will even throw Rendon into this mix. Like they have those resources. Will they? We have to wait and see um, what the market really pans out as. But there's really not anyone else on the free agent market that really moves that needle uh, for those players. You're looking at guys like Prado and uh, Jed Fra- Todd Frazier and uh, Jed Jorko. And- I mean, Ren
1: So to put this into perspective, Spot Track. I love you know jumping on Spot Track and looking at. Um, you know the market value. The market value. Their market value for Anthony Rendon is thirty-two million dollars for next year. The market value for Josh Donaldson is seventeen million. Yeah,
0: he's the be, he's the best. So if you get, the best third baseman in baseball. So if
1: you look around that same yeah. window of uh, that same you know scope of twenty-three million, I think that's getting Josh Donaldson back in Atlanta.
0: Definitely could be. Let's move to the outfield because um, that to me is where it's. Uh, kind of iffy for the Braves, because they have Ronald Acuna Jr., who is one of the very best players in all of baseball, proved it again in the playoffs, uh, carried them. He was their best player. And at the same time, even though he just put up a near 40-40 season, um, could have gotten it if he didn't really get hurt uh, down the stretch, despite uh, despite great contributions from guys like Matt Joyce, Adam Duvall, and this uh, otherworldly player in Ronald Acuna Jr., the Braves still ranked 16th in war at the outfield spot last season, er, at all three outfield spots, so overall. That clearly points to the fact that they have at least one, if not two, positions that are really up in the air right now. Now, you can go into next season, maybe you look at another platoon-type situation with the Adam Duvall and Joyce or another player that really hits righties well, along with Acuna, and you kind of mix and match. How much do you trust Pache and Waters to be ready? Ender
1: and and Ciarte still under. contract Ender and Ciarte
0: is under contract. Nick Markakis has an option. I am. I'm at the point now where I would not pick up Markakis's option.
1: The only thing I think we can say with any certainty regarding options is that Billy Hamilton's will not be picked up. <laughs> His will not be seven picked. and a half million for next year. That's not getting picked up.
0: But a but a nice contribution for the Braves. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know he he was he was a a big get for them, and, and
1: you know I think he he met what you needed to get from that guy. Now, did they utilize him as you would hope? Did they would utilize someone with that skill set? Not always.
0: Nope. But Nick Markakis is playing defensive outfield up two runs in the ninth inning of a playoff game when Billy Hamilton was in the game. Yeah, uh, that's not utilizing him well. That's kind of where I'm at with Markakis too. Is just like. They've they're misusing him. He's not an everyday player. He's not a fifth hole hitter. And unless they so, figure out a way to push him down in the lineup, and again, I in, in not use him every day, he doesn't hit lefties well at all. Um and he was just in a series which was a perfect matchup for him against the Cardinals against all righties, didn't deliver. Didn't deliver in the 2018 NLDS for the Braves. They have to they really do need to come up with a solution here for this outfield beyond Ronald Acuña Jr.
1: I think it's interesting because where we feel in a lot of the people that you know that we interact with uh, be it social media other people who cover the Braves there's an understanding of where Nick Markakis is at in his career right now but I think in order for that to be to play itself out on the field I don't know that it's going to be in a Braves uniform I think if he was with another franchise, let's say he would have taken that Giants deal that they had last what? year, that he had, you know, they apparently were talking to him, multi year deal as well. If he had taken that and he had the numbers he'd had, I think you would have seen him dealt with in a way more indicative of a player that was showing what he was showing in terms of, you know, some weathering of the skill sets. It's not happening in Atlanta, and it's it's probably not going to, even if he comes back, because I think there's still this thought of him being the player that he was. In previous years, right. and it's unfair. It's unfair to him, and it's unfair to you know the 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 fact that you need something different in that spot. I mean, there are absolute bangers that you could get that you <laughs> out there on the market this year that could supplement Ronald Cunha Jr. And even if you want to to hold on to Ender and Ciarte, Marcelo Zuna is available. I will almost guarantee that Starling Marte, with eleven point five million dollars on a club option on a team that's going to be looking to reinvent itself in the Pirates, he's not going to be back in Pittsburgh. You can get guys like that in a good value for this next season and then feel like you can allow Pache and Waters to sort things out. Yeah. I mean, I I think they could have a spectacular outfield by the end of 2020 if they can go out and find somebody on the market, have Acuna doing his thing, and then have Pache and or Waters be up by the end of the season. Nick Castellanos
0: is a free agent He
1: would be interesting because...
0: After a great run with the Cubs. Great
1: run with the Cubs, but do you have defensive concerns with him? And would you get into a situation where you're stretching Acuna too much as a guy who has shown progress in center field? Are you asking him to make too many out-of-zone plays because of the well, lack I'm, of— what
0: I'm uh, getting range? at is especially if it's Pache, then Acuna's not playing center. No, he's not. Uh, not by Pache would 10. be your defensive center. If you but had— And you still have and yeah. CRT under contract under this as well. I don't think the Braves get to play the defensive— Shortcomings card with Castellanos when you're running Nick Markakis. You know, you're right. Every single day. If
1: you had your, if you had your pick of all the guys who will be available going into this offseason that are free agents and they don't go out and via trade, and obviously if you make a move, you're blocking one of those two outfielders from having an everyday spot. Yeah, I mean, which it, one? Who would? Who
0: would you hate? Ozuna's 29 years old, I, and yeah. uh, I think he really fits more of the timeline for this team. I mean, Marte's 31. It's not like he's you know, out of it um, by any stretch of the imagination. Castellanos is 28 years old. I think Ozuna and Castellanos kind of fit in terms of the age that you're kind of looking for. Ozuna brings a little bit more to an all-around game. I would, I mean, Ozuna, you can definitely make the case he's the best all-around outfielder out there on the free agent market. We're not talking trade market right now. There's always going to be sure. options to explore. It's it. This podcast will go three hours talking about different guys on different teams and how they could fit. Um, But I'm with you. If they could find one piece out there uh, to really bolster this outfield, and then you do have these two stars, uh, star prospects um, down there in the minors. If either one of them really pans out, if it's Waters, you're probably keeping Acuna in center, and Waters uh, can come up and be that you know hopefully be that star uh, star bat that you're looking for for a young player. Pache is more of a high-floor guy because he's going to bring defense and base running immediately. It's more about what do you get out of his bat. He probably becomes your eight-hole hitter uh, right off the top. I think that'd be okay. What do you do with Ender and Tiarte? But if they if they're, if they they kept Ender or if they walked away from Ender and Markekis, they have resources to play with here. You don't have to just say this is how we've always done it and th- it's resulted in two NLDS losses. Alex Anthopoulos and companies seem pretty set that It's not going to be good enough. Like this roster has to get past. It's not winning a division isn't enough. Like, and I think everyone understands that after not winning a single playoff series since two thousand one. I'm with you. I I would at least go make a move here, trade, free agent signing to supplement this.
1: It's interesting though because one thing we've not really discussed is if they if they go out and get another everyday type outfielder. Where's Austin Riley fit in this whole situation? Because if they lock, let's say they get three years for Donaldson's uh, a three year deal, mm. and let's say you go out and you know, if I'm uh, to answer the question that I answered you, uh, asked you, I would take Azuna, but I would have a close second be Asiel Puig, just because I want to see what the world <laughs> happens if he's in that mix with with uh, with Cunha and Albies in that dugout. The heads that would explode. Yeah, with those two so. Together. But, you know, I I think that's where I'm at on those guys. But if you take one of the—let's say you take Azuna. Let's say you lock Azuna up. You give him a five-, six-year deal. I don't know where in the world Austin Riley fits into this equation anymore, and he may not even
0: have a path to consistent playing time in Atlanta if that's the case. I'm not sure the Braves know what his future is either. Again, you can't worry about blocking guys. I know, I know. They have to force their way in. It seemed like Austin Riley forced his way in in midsummer. They found some holes. Yep. Now he's got to adjust, and he's got to go back and see if he can find that swing well, again.
1: Clearly, Marcelo Zuna likes to hit in Central Park. So, he yeah.
0: likes <laughs> Park quite a bit, or at least Atlanta's pitchers. Um, speaking of which, on to the pitchers now. Of course, Dallas Keuchel is moving on to free agency. Um, I thought a, a, a good pickup for them. I think they'll look back and have no regrets about what Dallas Keuchel brought this team. He gave them uh, a chance to win Game 1 in the NLDS didn't really go as planned in Game 4, but really helped him get to a division title. Um, wasn't crazy expensive after a really unfortunate free agency situation for him. He heads back and onto the free agent market. Um, Julio Teron has a has a club option, and this is the big decision, I think, for Atlanta. I clearly think that Julio has more regular season value than postseason value because he's an innings eater, he stays healthy. But how are they going to supplement the rest of this rotation, which to me, I guess, starts at the top with Soroka Freed. What do you, what do you get out of Mike fulton um after a really strange season for him, highs and lows in regular season and postseason? Uh, but I would assume Fulte's in this mix along with that whole group of young starters. Start with Julio, and then do they need to add – to the starting rotation because already right now we're talking about adding catcher, third base, and at least one outfielder. Does the starting rotation need to join that group of of wish lists or needs?
1: I've kind of teetered back and forth on what I think they're going to do with Tehran's option. I think they pick it up, and I think they pick it up not just because if you you now have the situation where not that they need an opening day starter again, but the fact that this guy, if the wheels were to fall off, you know, you could— have somebody to eat up innings for you. But I think it's more from the end of, okay, let's say that they've locked up Donaldson now and Austin Riley all of a sudden they've got an outfield, and all of a sudden Austin Riley is expendable. Or if you feel like Ender and Ciarte is somebody you want to move on from mm-hmm. the, the ways that you could package somebody who's one of eight starters that's going to be on the market can see that would be on the market. If the, if the praise declined his option with more than 174 innings pitched this past season, If you could, if you could package him with somebody, I think what it could get you in return could be a substantial player.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's value in innings either. So
1: I think he gets picked up. I don't know that he's going to pitch for the Braves, but I think they pick up the option on him. And you know, i i I would like to see them be a little bit aggressive in the free agent market for a starting pitcher because there are some Zach Wheelers going to be available. Yeah, I mean, Georgia kid, it's crazy that. We we think about Zach Wheeler, you know, as a younger guy, and we think about Madison Bumgarner as an older guy. They're the exact same age. Bumgarner's thirty years old.
0: Wild to me because uh, it makes me feel old because I covered Wheeler's yeah uh, his debut. debut Remember
1: he started Game One of a of a doubleheader and Harvey was in the second game. game. But Strasburg is a year older than Zach Wheeler and Madison Bumgarner. I mean, it's it's insane. And you know, Garrett Cole's a year younger and. I don't think they're going to get into the Cole Strasburg mix. I don't. I just don't see them going that route. Nothing about the way that they've operated or the way that Alex Anthopoulos operates makes you think that they're going to do that. But I think there's enough options out there to feel like they don't have to play the "we need a veteran presence" card. I mean, Dallas Keuchel served his purpose, and you think about the guys that we've seen serve in that role. He was obviously better than RA Dickey and Bartolo Colon, and we, yeah, you know, we saw somebody question. do what he was supposed to do for this team, but. You're I think you're further down the road now with the development of these younger guys that you don't need another X player who's got a World Series ring.
0: It's it it is kind of remarkable that they ran away with this ro- with this uh, division with a rotation that did not get a breakout performance from any of the up. And I mean, I expected Sor- I mean, Soroka, barring injury, was already part of the rotation. So for me, yeah, like, it's not yeah. a surprise that he became a Cy Young and Rookie of the Year contender, Um but the Tuki Toussaint, the you know Kyle Wright, uh, Bryce Wilson, like no real breakout performance from those guys. Now Ian Anderson can kind of join that mix as well. Um, I'd be curious at what they, how much they believe in that group. In terms of do we need to bring in some more help or are they going to be ready? I thought Kyle Wright looked great down the down the stretch last season or during during the 2019 season. I really would have liked to have seen him more. Uh, especially late September, maybe breaking into a bullpen role in the playoffs uh, with his slider. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they quietly shut Kyle Wright down, even though they did send him down to keep him fresh. Um, I would have liked to have seen Kyle Wright against the Cardinals. I, I don't know why we didn't, um, especially when they had the injury and they went with Julio Tehran and didn't really use Julio Tehran in any significant way. Kyle Wright probably could have helped him. But they allowed the him hard. to
1: have the first inning and the last inning in the season.
0: I know. Uh that that certainly was uh something. But speaking of bullpen roles, um I think the Braves go into this season or into this offseason with a few more answers in this regard. Um, and again, we felt like they had a few answers last year with guys like Viz and Minter. A lot of things fell off. Um, but guys like Mark Belanson, um it, it it seems, and Shane Green, it seems, I almost called him Nick Green. Uh, Shane Green and Mark Melanson, um, seems like you can kind of solidify that there and try and build a little bit around those guys. Chris Martin is, of course, a free agent. Um, do you have more confidence in this bullpen group? And certainly after this season, everybody should just not assume that what starts the season ends it because – they clearly will not be the case under uh, under an Alex regime.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's one thing to think about. I mean, is the the arb numbers for some of the guys like Shane Green is projected to get six point five million, and obviously he's an all star closer, but he's not the closer for this team. Yeah. So, I mean, I if we're looking at the guys who, and I know this is a little off topic, but if you're looking at the Braves players who are arbitration eligible, and I'm proge- and I'm guessing who's going to a hearing. Shane Green's going to a hearing.
0: Yeah, I could see that
1: because of all the peripherals, just don't match up with what his case is going to be as a guy who was an all-star and had all these, you know, these saves. And the Braves are going to say, "Well, these were your numbers for us, yeah, and you were not that same guy." And you know, I, I think that's going to be that that case is going to arbitration. Just think I think,
0: think Fultys' our situation is just.
1: Fantastic. I just don't think you can go to. Trial with him again. I mean, it was such an issue last time, and he and he clearly didn't understand the proceedings. But the the way that it kind of late, like just hung with him. I don't know if they're going to want to get back into that situation. And did he have such an erratic year? Does he take lower amounts if they want to give him a two year deal?
0: It's possible. You know, Dansby's arb situation will be interesting. Uh, Luke Jackson, uh, his arb situation will be interesting. There's there's definitely going to be some some fascinating cases as, yeah. we, as we get around that spot. But
1: to but to answer your question, I feel like this feels like the bullpen with the fewest amount of answers since we had guys like Craig Kimbrell and, you know, Carpenter and, you know, sure. all the, that that little group that they had, you know, the, the previous run of, of postseason appearances. Yeah,
0: I was surprised. they They didn't flip the switch really with any of their guys. A little bit with Kyle Wright, but, None of the starters really, you know. I asked Anthopolis before winter meetings last year, and he said that we will make that, you know, if we need to, but they really didn't need to to win the division. And we really didn't see guys switch over until, you know, September and rosters expanded. Yeah. But at any point did they start moving, you know, the Patrick Weigels and some of those guys into this mix? Uh, we just didn't see a lot of young starters outside of Soroka and Freed. Uh, a lot of, and we saw some pieces kind of come and go you know, Bryce Wilson kind of up and down, like Jeremy Walker, like there were some pieces, but we didn't really see a solidified youth movement on the pitching side at all, uh, really for them. Yeah. The I mean,
1: do you think Melanson going to be the favorite to be the closer going into the year? Is it become Snicker more of an open seems competition? To really,
0: Snicker seems to be really comfortable with him. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he would start out as the closing favorite. I'm really curious if they get anything out of Minter next year. I mean, if they can get him back into into his right space.
1: Where does he even fit in? I and mean I'm, if
0: you've got O'Day and you've got
1: Green I mean, and you O'Day's and, a I free mean agent. and Okay, O'Day and Martin are both free yeah, agents. Yeah. So if you've got on the books, if you've got you know, if you've got Jackson, who's an ARB guy, and you've got, you know, Minter, and then you've got Melanson and Green, I mean where does Mentor even fit into that situation?
0: I mean, they need some lefties, and uh, I mean, you had Jerry Blevins, he, but you've got Newcomb, and is Newcomb? Yeah, is Newcomb now a, that guy? Is Newcomb a solidified bullpen artist? He even get a shot at another rotation? Yeah, spot. I sh- probably spoke too soon. I forgot that they did move Newcomb into that relief role. Do they? He's really the only guy they really did that with. I, f- um, I
1: mean, you got to hurt for him if he doesn't get a chance to be a starter again. because He's been a really good starter at times.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And Snicker mentioned that in his postseason uh, press conference that they aren't just set on him They'll he'll be stretched out he'll be given the chance to start and it it may open up for him um but you know if they look at him as this dominant you know trying to be you know this multi-inning dominant reliever that some other teams have really had success with um that could be the way to use Sean Newcomb um but we'll see how that all really pans out but uh yeah I mean I it Listening to the Braves at the end of the season, it definitely felt like it was a disappointing year for them. Uh, Freddie called it, Freddie Freeman called it a failure um, simply because they didn't move on in the playoffs. it has to hurt for them to see the Nationals just, you know, really pushing pushing to try and get to the World Series as we speak right now. Um, So that should definitely be difficult for this team. So it's really going to be a telling offseason, but also a telling offseason here too because um, Corey can kind of, Unveil the news a little bit, but um, this will be the final episode of ChopCast as we know it with uh with me and my partner Corey here. Yeah, it's been uh been here almost seven years. Oh, been here seven years. Uh, it's crazy. This
1: is our four hundred and forty sixth episode of this show. Uh, it'll be the last one with me, so I'm moving on. Um, Braves fans will still be able to to find me. I'll still be uh, still be finding a way to to cover this team. Uh, obviously, it won't be in the same capacity. Um, you know, this has been, this ChopCast stuff has been, you know, blood, sweat and tears for us for a long, long time. And I appreciate everybody listening and, um, you know, bearing with us through some really tough years. It, you know, would have been fun to have covered a team celebrating a championship at least once here in the seven years that we covered this team, but
0: not in this city. Yeah,
1: uh, I'll still, but I'll, again, I'll still be around and I'll still be, I'll still be Having a voice in terms of Braves coverage, it just it just won't be this one.
0: Do you remember sure. our first episode?
1: I yeah, I do. It was about um, it was it was about the the Hudson in, uh, in injury, wasn't no, it? No, 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 got no, no. On? no, no, no. it no, was that uh, so we did a bracket, right? We did like a
0: no. Our first ever episode, we jumped right into it. It was in the twenty thirteen off season, and lo and behold, as we opened this podcast with this subject, uh, we talked about the twenty thirteen catchers. And we were talking about Brian McCann. Huh. Um, that was our first podcast that we ever did. Was we were previewing that first team that we ever covered together um, that winter. And we sat in the Fox Sports South studio. Um, I think it was a group of us. Um, I don't think it was it. It may have just been me and you. I think there may have been one of the. I think Jay Clemens might have been with us yeah, at the yeah. time. Um, but yeah, that was our first ever episode. So open that one with Brian McCann. <laughs> Open this one with Brian McCann, so there really coming full circle right. uh, there. But we definitely, uh, as Corey said, we really appreciate all the listeners over the years. Um, we've had nonstop just uh, positive comments, positive reinforcement as we tried to figure this out as we went. <laughs> um, but covering this team together has been uh, a blast, and you guys made it so we got to do a show together. Um, yeah, it's been it's been good times, and we've had. We haven't had a, a a great team yet in terms of going to the postseason, but we've had a lot of fun teams, yeah, and we've had a lot of uh, good times uh, covering Atlanta. So uh, we'll, he'll, Corey will be around. Uh, I'll be around. We'll we'll kind of figure out what the future is going to look like there, but uh, we'll both be providing as much coverage as we can. Uh, just won't be in the same podcast space as we move forward. So for the last time, uh, he's Corey McCartney. I'm Zach Dillard. You can find uh, all of our uh, archives. Uh, for the ChopCast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitch Radio, and SoundCloud. Um, If anybody's feeling nostalgic, go back through. uh, (laughs) Listen to anything, and uh, feel free to point out where we were wrong. But uh, this has been a fun ride with everybody. We thank everybody for tuning in. Any last words, Corey?
1: No, just thank you guys so much. Uh, Love you, Braves Country, and thank you for everything over these last seven years.